what, what are those spiritual laws? Well, there are five of them. And the first one is the power of our subconscious to create our lives. From the time of Freud, we as a culture have believed that how we are today and who we are today was predetermined by stuff that happened to us in our childhoods. But more recent psychological research shows that our vision of ourselves in the future, our ideal future self, our belief in that and our clarity around that is actually more compelling to who and how we are today than anything that's happened in our past. And the research shows that if we are determined by what happens happened in our past, it's because that vision of ourselves in the future isn't big enough or magnetic enough or compelling enough to influence how we're behaving today. Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment on my life helping other people do the same like right now. How's it going, folks? Hope you're doing well out there in the world. What's been going on in my life? Just very quickly, um, Liza and I and Zia, we just found a 12-month rental property in Cardiff in South Wales here. So we're going to be moving into our home. It's the first time we will have our own home uh, since Zia was born, right? So like probably around five, six years now. Zia's going to be six at the end of the month. So really looking forward to that, really exciting about that. Um it, it can, you know, people say like when you're traveling around the world and stuff, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful experience it is. But at the same time, and it is, it's super challenging, right? Like it's super challenging. You are, you're on the move all the time. You have to really um, get used to um, being uncomfortable all the time, which is a little bit like if you want to be someone who doesn't drink alcohol, live a self-led life, right? Like if that's what you want, I really need you to take a, take a trek take a walk to the edge of your comfort zone and start playing around in the tension that separates your comfort zone from the unknown, right? And that's what happens when you don't have a home. Uh, you always thrust into uncomfortable uh, situations that you don't have a mental map for. You don't have a mental map probably for being someone who doesn't drink alcohol, right? Um, and that is destabilizing, that is worrying, but it's not until you start playing around at the edges of your comfort zone in that tension that you realize how truly powerful you are. And let me tell you something, every single one of you listening to this is more than capable of being someone that doesn't drink alcohol and living a self-led life. You've just got to, as Kay Allison will tell you, as we talk about her five spiritual laws of sobriety today, you just have to take action. When? Now. Right? <laughs> now. Because you are more than capable and you're powerful enough to do it, okay? Uh, what's going on in the Strive world? Uh, really good stuff, actually. We just started creating some quests. Uh, so we've got about six quests going at the moment. Um, most of them are in the area of flow. Uh, why are we focusing on flow? Well, we've learned at Strive that the most important thing is not to count your alcohol-free days, uh, but to really understand how often you are operating above the line in uh, being conscious in a state of flow with clarity, 
uh, with compassion, with love, and how many times we are spending it below the line in drama, in chaos, in judgment, and blame, and uh, villainy, and victimhood, right, and victim consciousness. And we're finding actually that when we are in the act of doing something, right, when we're in the act of doing something, and that thing that we're doing is aligned with our meaning and purpose, and it doesn't even have to be aligned with our meaning and purpose, but the thing that we're doing, um, if we like it or we enjoy it, it actually keeps us in uh, what Stephen Porges would say in polyvagal theory, in our social engagement system. So we're not triggered, right? So um, we are almost in a flow state. So when we are not doing something, we found a strive that very often it is the human condition, very normal for us to think about the future and worry about it or think about the past and worry about that as well. So what we are trying to do is create quests which align with flow states, right? So I'll give, I'll give an example, busy work. If you're ironing, while you're listening to a podcast or you're watching TV or you're listening to some music or something, you will generally not be thinking too much and you'll generally go into that social engagement system outside of the sympathetic nervous system. You'll be in that really chilled parasympathetic nervous system state, which we love because you don't want to drink alcohol when you're in that state, right? So like just ironing is really cool. So we have a quest uh, over at uh, Strive that says, hey, come into our Discord community and check in every day for seven days. That is um, one of our quests. And then we have a harder quest, checking for 14 days, checking for 30 days, right? We also know that teamwork is really important when it comes to being someone that doesn't drink alcohol. So commenting on other people's posts and commenting on other people's strive method assignments is also a quest. Completing your strive uh, method assessments is really good mental work, really gets you in that flow state. So we've got quests for that as well. And we know that relationships are really important. So we started to build uh, relationship quests where you sit down uh, with your partner and you ask them a series of questions and listen to them ask you a series of questions. Um, the strivers are really getting into it. More, more women are getting into it than the men. The men are still sitting in the stands a little bit. But what's important about these quests is they're fun. They give you a sense of meaning and purpose. You're not alone. You can get your pom-poms out and your rah-rahs and really celebrate um, and cheer people on who are doing them. And you can be the recipient of um, a lot of well-dones and congratulatory hugs and kisses and pats on the back when you achieve uh, these quests, right? And while you're doing it, you're growing, you're healing, it's amazing. It really is. And me and Kay talk about this a little bit. If you want to get involved in that, email me at strivemethod.gmail.com and I will give you more information, okay? So here is Kay Allison. We are going to speak about Kay's five spiritual laws of sobriety. She was a senior vice president at a global ad agency and a single mother at a time when her drinking got way out of control and she decided that she needed to rein it in and become alcohol free. Since then, Kay has helped hundreds of women stop the drinking spiral and live a wildly successful and satisfying life substance free using her Juicy AF program. So AF alcohol-free, all right? Juicy alcohol-free program. Uh, Kay is uh, an executive coach, a clairvoyant, a minister. She was an adjunct professor at Northwestern University, and she's also authored two books. So you can go to Amazon and buy Juicy AF. And in January 2023, a second book, Drinking, uh, no, Stop the Drinking Spiral, Unleash the Future, will be out as well, okay? Um, 
After a year of going alcohol-free, just a year, she launched her first company. She called it the Energy Infuser, and it was an agency to help Fortune 200 companies create new 100 million products and businesses. Uh, together, those clients generated $2 billion in annual revenue, and she went on to create the Energy Annex, a modern focus group facility that won numerous awards. And she also co-founded Farm and Oven, a natural food company, which she sold four years later. And she lives in a pine forest, meditates by a waterfall every day, absolutely loves her family, and lives a juicy alcohol-free life over in Boulder, California. If you want to learn more about what she's doing, uh, tune in towards the end where we talk about it, uh, or you can go to juicyaf.life forward slash laws or juicyaf.live forward slash 1000 days if you want to get um, some free stuff that Kay has got going over there, okay? Um, Yeah, get into this, love it, listen to it, but most important, take action and implement her uh, five spiritual laws to be sober and check out what she's doing at Juicy AF, which is a woman's only program. But if you're a man, still listen to this podcast because you get a lot out of it. Much love, everybody. Let's just go for it, Kay. Didn't it? Let's do it, Lee. Let's have a chat. Let's start by saying that I love your glasses. They're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they've become my trademarks since the advent of Zoom being what we do. I actually remember related to alcohol, I guess, is uh, I'm I think I'm the only one in my family that doesn't have glasses. And there were periods of my life when I was younger where, um, well, for for example, the other day I went into the optician to just have an eye test. And uh, they said, you're kind of borderline. Probably when you come back in five years, you might need some glasses, but you're kind of borderline. If you had some, it would improve your eyesight. But if you don't, you'll be all right. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going to pay for glasses. But when I was younger, there was a part of me that wanted them to look cool, right? Like, because I was in that, I need to fit in energy. I, I really didn't need them, except I was like, well, if I have glasses, I look cool. And I I actually wore them for a while just because I felt they'd increase my status, which is, you know, has a, has a lot to do with our decision to drink alcohol, right? Absolutely. That pernicious lie that on our own, we're not good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. You ever suffer from that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I've heard about it. No, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me, Juicy, tell me about Juicy while I switch my phones off so they don't beep. Tell me about Juicy, Juicy AF. Well, AF also means alcohol-free, not mm. just what you think it means. Um, and the reason behind the name, honestly, Lee, is because Everything else that I've seen around sobriety is so serious. Uh-huh. And I drank for fun and color and amusement and glamour, you know? Yeah. And if sobriety were gray and dull and miserable, I wouldn't, I wouldn't still be alcohol-free. Mm. So that so the juicy element was more about well, it's juicy, right? So what about what yeah. about the what about the actual um, the program and the work you do? You know, talk about that a little bit. 
So Juicy AF right now is a community, a digital community. Um, It is a program and it's also a very highly curated mastermind. Mm, I like it. And is it just entirely for women? It's only for women. Mm. Why did you make that decision? For three reasons. The first is that the overlap between substance abuse issues and trauma is really, really high, right? I think it's 70% of all the people with substance abuse issues have experienced trauma. And for women, most of that trauma comes at the hands of men. Mm. So being in a space where it's only women, um, it feels safer. They feel much more comfortable being revealing. Um, The second thing is that most of us, when we were drinking, were pretty sexually promiscuous. And in a mixed space, a co-ed space, if you will, it sends the wrong signals and you get the wrong kind of attention if you're very out about that around men. Mm. And then the third reason is that when women are alone, we talk very differently than we do if we're talking to men. And there's a linguist from Georgetown named Deborah Tannen who's Mm. noticed this with kids who are as young as two years old, that the little boys will be creating hierarchies of who's up and who's down. And the little girls are creating shared experiences. Oh, that happened to me too. You know, Mm -hmm. just our language patterns are more circular and uh, networked and inclusive. And we don't do the one up, one down that men tend to do and that we do when we are interacting with men. It's funny you mentioned children. My my daughter is going to be six now in a couple of weeks, and she's been hanging around with uh, a young boy who's around five and a completely different energy, a really, really different energy. One's tearing around, wanting to stamp on everybody's face, and then and it's quite scary and intimidating even at that age. Um, and, you know, I, I walk around the streets a lot looking at uh, just – thinking, you know, and observing and seeing the difference in sizes between men and women and, you know, pondering what it would be like to live in fear, you know, a lot of times, especially around the evening, dusk, nighttime. And, and that, that's what I'm, that's what comes up for me when I hear you talk about your environment and why, why men aren't there. It seems like either the number one goal is to create a safe environment. How, how important is safety, do you think, when it comes to um, helping people to stop drinking? I think feeling safe allows us to be vulnerable. Mm. And um allows i know when i feel safe i'm much more readily emotionally available and willing to talk about intimate things um if i feel like someone's going to prey on me or take advantage of what i'm saying then i shut down mm. i feel like 
we all walk through the world with these fishbowls over our heads <laughs> and you can see through the fishbowl. Like I can see you through my fishbowl, but layered on top of it is all kinds of likes and dislikes and ideas and attitudes and perceptions, stories. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is how many of the slang terms for being intoxicated are destructive terms, mm -hmm. right? We're smashed, we're plastered, we're annihilated, we're wasted. We're and I think what that refers, we're hammered, right? Mm -hmm. It refers to we're able to get out of that self-preoccupation and we're we can get outside of thinking about everything and what we think about it. Do we like it? Do we not? What does his expression mean about me? You know, whatever mm -hmm. it is that we get hung up in. And in order to recover, I have had to develop ways, and I teach other women, ways to get outside that fishbowl mm -hmm. that don't include getting drunk. Mm. And it's not easy, right? It's not easy. Um, what have I found myself getting in? Like in the last couple of days, I found myself getting into the cuddling up on the city, having some ice cream with my wife while we watch a show, right? And on the face of it, it seems all right. It seems like we're connecting and around a bit of ice cream, no harm there. But then today, when I catch myself at a little bit of a low, I'm I'm thinking about the ice cream. Like I I'm thinking about the future when I will be sat on the couch with my wife and I'm, and then internal dialogue goes on then is, well, are you going to go and get some ice cream? Can you eat ice cream for two days on the trot? Is this really healthy? Because I keep thinking about it. And yeah, that's, that's what it was like with alcohol, you know, and uh, it's, uh, so what, what, what do you make of that? The old ice cream, uh, looking forward to an, an excitement about an event. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a difference between being excited about an event and being obsessive about it. Mm. And it's usually a pretty fine line and I can usually fool myself pretty much about yeah. where that line is. I would be the obsessive. My wife would be the excited. She would be excited. You know, if it's not there, it's not there. I would be kind of missing it. There's a hole there. And, and, and I think, I don't know your opinion, but it, when it comes to um, suddenly, you know, you join a program like Juicy or the Stripe Method, and if we're not careful, it could be like, okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to take this alcohol away from you because it's really bad and we don't want you to drink it. <laughs> and then there's nothing there. <laughs> it's like, and this has been their, their mistress or, or their man or their, their, their one go-to that cures all of their issues, all of their problems, their, their most exciting moment of the night, and we take it away, right? And we don't fill it with, with anything else. Um, first of all, what is your thoughts around that? And secondly, um, what do you teach uh, your, your, your crowd um, to, to do to fill that, that space, to fill that void? How do, you, how do you deal with that? Well, it was Aristotle who actually said that nature abhors a vacuum. So mankind, humankind has known this for millennia. And I think you're absolutely right. We have to fill, the, it's a spiritual law, right? That substitution 
is the way to make changes. So I'm thinking of that eat this, not that diet. Mm. And it works because it's a substitution. What I've found, Lee, is that at the beginning, when someone is getting free from alcohol, there are ways to take the edge off that don't involve drinking, Mm. right? You can move your body and that helps kind of regulate your system. Uh, You can eat, you can masticate, you can chew on something, right? Of course, sugar in the long run can be another addiction, but that's a whole other uh, ball of wax. Medication can help people with the cravings. Meditate can be another great way of regulating your system and something to do. And my favorite one is masturbating, having an orgasm. Certainly changes. When you said masticating, I I, I thought she's saying saying masturbating. You know, we just just got our title, masticating and masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, I mean, it's interesting you say those things because like all of those things can be if you i mean if you think about it all of those things can be used in a healthy way and also in a dysfunctional way right absolutely anything taken to its extreme Mm. can be deleterious can be harmful to us um but I will tell you, nobody ever went to jail for eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's with his wife on the couch. No, I mean, for me, you know, both with sugar and masturbation, it's kind of like I, I always say to people in Strive, we, we, we um, follow a, like a metaphor from the Conscious Leadership Group about being above or below the line. And, uh, you know, our goal is to try to be above the line as often as we can in a state of consciousness and clarity and awareness and responsibility. Um, So, you know, I often say, okay, so if we just talk about sugar, I want to eat some sugar. Well, am I above the line? Like, am I, do I want to eat sugar? And I'm feeling really conscious. I'm feeling really vivid. I'm feeling really clear-headed and I want to take responsibility over this decision and I just love ice cream and I want to eat some right now or am I below the line and I'm feeling lonely and I'm feeling uncomfortable or feeling like a victim or I'm feeling a little bit blamey and judgy and now I want to eat ice cream you know then I'm saying (laughs) or I want to masturbate like that's when I'm, I'm like okay hang on a minute hang on a minute, are you using this substance or are you behaving in this way because there's something going on that you don't want to deal with, right? Well, and so once someone, and the way that I talk about it is through that, okay, I've separated from alcohol, Yeah. right? Those other ways of taking the edge off work as a substitute. But then the adventure becomes how do I not develop an edge in the first place? Mm. How can I live through my day so that that five o'clock, oh my God, I've got an edge that I've got to take off, or I've just been stuck in the TSA line at the airport and that airport bar looks good or whatever the scenario is. How can I walk through those situations so I don't develop an edge to Mm. start with? 
And that's where I have articulated five spiritual laws of the universe Mm. that when we live them in our day-to-day lives, reduce the agita that we feel to a point where we're living with a sense of peace and a sense of ease and a sense of love, even as we walk through difficult situations. What what are those spiritual laws? Well, there are five of them. And the first one is the power of our subconscious to create our lives. Mm -hmm. From the time of Freud, we as a culture have believed that how we are today and who we are today was predetermined by stuff that happened to us in our childhoods. But more recent psychological research shows that our vision of ourselves in the future, our ideal future self, our belief in that and our clarity around that is actually more compelling to who and how we are today than anything that's Mm. happened in our past. And the research shows that if we are determined by what happens happened in our past, it's because that vision of ourselves in the future isn't big enough or magnetic enough or compelling enough to influence how we're behaving today. Mm. And my experience and what I've seen happen with the women that I interact with is once they can really get clear about that big, juicy, magnetic, peaceful future, that it's much easier to move towards that rather than away from the things that got them in trouble in the past. And if you think about it, like this is so interesting to me, everything that's in my life today, I have created through choice and through attitudes and through decisions that I've made. I have wanted to live in Boulder, Colorado since I was four years old. It took me a lot of years to get here, but I live here now. Mm. And um, that's the kind of movement towards something big and magnetic and juicy in the future that our subconscious will create as long as we take some actions as well. Mm, I like that. So that's law number one. So almost like... um... A lot of people, when they're going through it, they they just they just can't see a way out of the molasses, right? So they they have no mental map, so they're not they haven't got a vision, and they're not able to match that vision with a feeling. It just doesn't exist for them, and so they're just stuck in the molasses. And you're saying, no, if we can get our vision, and we can curate it, and we can match feeling to it, then that will give us. The hope, I guess, is, is a key word that comes up with the hope to be able to get through uh, because you've got something to aim for and something that you believe in, which I think is really important. Uh, it's, it's exactly true. And what you just said is so important. It's not just being able to see it, it's being able to feel it. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I have an image of myself on stage in front of an audience, and I know what I'm wearing, and I know who I can see in the wings, and I can see the scenario and laughing, and I can feel it. And who knows how that's going to come into my world? And I believe, I choose to believe 
that it is going to happen. Which is super powerful. Right. And, and it doesn't take any more energy to think that than, it think, than to think that it's not going to happen. What the future is different, but better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I used to walk around with this sense of impending doom. I was terrified. Uh, you know, I had all of these what if scenarios that were being, you know, sent to Siberia and being cut off and penniless and homeless. And, yeah, but what if it's different, but better? Yeah, I like that. So I'm trying to coax people into a better future because when I was drinking, A, I was, you know, felt horrible, but I thought that a life without alcohol was going to be worse. Even worse. Even worse. You Mm. know, I was going to be handing out pamphlets and little (laughs) flowers at the airport or something. (laughs) And, um, you know, what I want to talk about is my life transformed within five years of putting down the drink. I married the love of my life. And 20 years later, I'm still wild about him. I adopted my third child. I wrote a book. I started two successful businesses and I increased my income by a multiple of six Mm. in five Mm. years. Mm. And I say that not to brag, because I'm anything special, but to demonstrate to other people, when you cut that cord to the anchor of alcohol, all the energy that I was spending just trying to get up to normal and the energy I was spending to paint a hologram out here so you wouldn't notice what was really going on, all that energy that just catapulted my life into a completely different experience. Yeah, Sarah is one of our strivers. You know, she's contemplating what to do, going to get a job next month, you know. And she said, I don't, I don't really know what I want to do, she said, but I feel pulled towards helping out with mental health and addiction, you know. And I, and I just wrote back in the forum and said, that's funny because I guess that's what I do. And when I worked on the railway for 20 years, there's no way on earth I would ever have imagined I would be doing it. It just was not in my worldview. It just wasn't there. I was a railwayman and I was going to be a railwayman until the day I die. So never say never, you know. And just a side story, I just want to share a side story with you because, you know, we just touched upon this belief that, and a real compelling and powerful belief that without alcohol, like things are going to be so much worse. I was looking after a dog the other day, uh, uh, a pug, and um, the the people who were supposed to take care of him were late coming back. So I said, no worries, I'll, I'll stay here. I'll stay here as long as it takes. And then she sent me a message back. She said, no, my, my friend is going to come around. She'll, like, relieve you of your duty at, like, half past 10. Um, just let her in when she gets there. And I'm, okay. So the door goes. I open the door, and in comes this, this lady, you know, in a whirlwind. And she's like, where's the alcohol? So I said, oh, it's... Uh, my name's Lee, by the way, and uh, the alcohol's over in the cupboard, right? So she's like, whoa, whoa, what, what have we got? So I'm like, well, there's wine, and I think I've seen something else. So she gets some red wine, and she says, um, would you would you want a drink? I said, no. I said, I've not had a drink for 12 years. I always like to slip that in there. I've not had a drink for 12 years. Oh, well done, she said. That's the first thing. Well done. And then um, she started to have a drink. 
And she said, the reason I'm drinking, because this happens to me all the time, when I tell people I don't drink, they tell me the reason why they do drink. Um, the reason I'm, I, I'm drinking this is if I had such a stressful day, right? Like such a stressful day. And here's my point to everybody listening who thinks that alcohol, you cannot have a life without alcohol, right? That woman just walked into my life. She never met me in her life, ever. I'm a fairly interesting guy. I'm a good listener, right? And I have a bit of empathy and compassion about me as well. And she come in and just said, hey, who are you? And we just engaged in talk and conversation and shared our life. We didn't even have to go down the vulnerability rabbit hole. We just get to know each other. Do you think she would be a little less stressed? Like, of course she would, right? She would loosen up when she felt safe and secure around me. She would open up a little bit more. She would have dialogue, communication, connection with another human being, and she would feel okay. The wine is an illusion. It would just actually, the more she drank, it would disconnect her from me because I would feel unsafe and uncomfortable sharing with somebody who isn't 100% present. And she wouldn't be able to remember and be 100% present because she's screwing her brain up with this toxin, right? So for those of you listening that, hey, I cannot get a life, just, just play that back. You know, that's just one little tiny example of how we can change the perspective of looking at an event uh, for it to be completely different to the belief that you have, you know? All right. I want to tell my version of that story. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so when I first got sober, I traveled 50% of the time. And a lot of that was global travel. I was in Asia or um, South America or Europe. A lot, a mm. lot, a lot. I was in the airport going through security multiple times a week. And, you know, you go through the passport check and then you have to decide which screening line to get in. And I'd be deciding between two lines and I'd pick one and then I would mentally note the person that took my place <laughs> in the other line. And then the race was on. In yeah, my yeah. mind, anyway, <laughs> they, nobody else knew, but it made me so impatient in so much of a hurry, uh, you know, and, and then I had this epiphany one day, which was, well, what if instead of racing somebody and, you know, making my self-worth dependent on whether I chose well or not, mm. what if I tried to be friendly and kind to the people around me. Mm. So since adopting that attitude, I have lifted people's suitcases up onto the, you know, the roller. I always make eye contact with the TSA agents and say, good morning and thank you. And how's your day going? Mm. And I even returned a guy's uh, wallet to him. He had left his wallet and I was able to track him down at the airport and return <laughs> his wallet to him. And you know what? I don't have an edge then to take mm. off mm. with a drink. Yeah, because you've uh, diverted that energy. Um, you've, you've got that energy and you've morphed it in and put it somewhere else and, and put it to work somewhere else, somewhere more valuable, you know, in terms of connection instead of disconnection. Well, outward, that's the outward, spiritual law. He said, it's just sitting here. Well, should we jump to the fifth one now, or should we just go through number two? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Okay, so the let's fifth go on the fifth one, one is 
is the power of connection and the Mm. power of service, Mm. which is exactly what I was just talking about. It's the distinction between what's in it for me, getting through here fast, what's in it for me, Mm. and what's in it from me. How can I be kind? How can I acknowledge this TSA agent as a human being and not just an an impediment to my agenda? Mm. Um, And that's why I created a community, Lee, because when I drank, I was so busy hiding behind my hologram of what I thought looked perfection. And that I was desperately alone and lonely and felt like a misfit and like I didn't belong and like something was existentially wrong with me. And so when I can be of service to somebody else, I'm not the center of my attention anymore. Like remember Copernicus, he was the one that said, oh no, no, it's not the earth in the center of the universe, it's the Mm -hmm. sun. In the same way, if I put you in the center of my universe for the time that we're on this call, then I'm thinking about you and how I can be of service to you rather than thinking about me and what I can get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. It brings that edge down. There isn't an edge when I'm of service. Becoming ambivalent around our alcohol use is confusing, uncomfortable, and downright terrifying. Alcohol is so embedded in our lives that we can't imagine our life without it, and at Strive, we get that. So why not take one step at a time, starting with diving deep into our book, The Strive Method, Control Alcohol for 30 Days Before It Controls You for the Next 30 Years. Head over to www.thestrivemethod.com to purchase and receive a Santa sack full of freebies today. That that's I love I love that one. I um that's one that uh, is work in progress for me. I mean, every life's a work in progress, but um, I'm I'm definitely I'm the type of guy who kind of like my wife will say, "Pass me the sparkling water," and I'll grab it and pour my drink before I pour her drink. Like little, little things like that. So I have an overarching desire to serve people. We wouldn't be doing this otherwise. Um, but there is also an element of me that kind of automatically goes to put myself first sometimes. And I, ha- I actually have a story to share, which I think will be important to both our communities and people listening to this who want to get into a community and a little bit worried about it. Cause I, I, I know it's, it's not an easy transition to listen to a podcast or dive into a community. Um, I really want you to actually rewind uh, and listen back to what Kay said about connection um, and service other people because it's really important. It's very easy to join a community like Juicy or, or Strive um, and to hang in the shadows and not say anything. That's easy, right? It's also easy to be in a community and and turn up one day and say, "Hi, um, I'm doing really well. This is what I did today," and and that's it, right? And I know for people listening, even that is a stretch, right? But but the real gold here is when you go into a community. And you read other people's posts and you interact with them. Like that is service. That is community. Because because without that interaction, without showing up and really witnessing and making people feel seen and heard and mattered, you will stand out like a sore thumb. Like, especially with the women in in the communities. (laughs) They'll be like, this person just seems to just be in it taking. They're not really giving, right? Like, 
and and you're not going to get the most out of the experience. I'm talking from personal experience, right? Like I've been in many coaching containers where it's all been about what can I get out of this, Kay, right? And the really wise ones in there are like, Lee, let me have a little word a minute, brother. This is all about you. How can you switch this around? It's like, holy shit, right, okay. Right. So I don't know if you want to comment on that, but that's that's what I'm hearing about. That's what I wanted to comment on your fifth uh, law, which I thought was important. I want to say two things about that. Lest you think that I think I'm perfect. Very often I say out loud, don't be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes that is my standard. Um, (laughs) And then the second thing, it actually relates to one of the other spiritual laws, is do something different. DSD. Mm, mm. If you do the same thing today as you did yesterday, tomorrow's going to be exactly like today. If you're not happy with today, do something different so that you have a different tomorrow. I hear a lot in the social media world about manifesting. and you know, that first spiritual law is getting very clear about what you do want to have become a reality in your life. But without action, I also don't buy into the hustle culture, right? Mm -hmm. But without action, taking action, nothing happens. And Mm -hmm. so, the third spiritual law actually is actions first, feelings and reality follows. Mm-hmm. that we have to take actions. We need to do something different. And to your example about the people in a community that have joined but not written their introduction or mm-hmm. that haven't um, participated in a, <clears throat> in a poll, or <clears throat> so if they, if they haven't interacted, they haven't written their introduction, they haven't commented on somebody's post, and they're feeling like nobody understands them, my encouragement is today do something different. Mm. Yes. Can I add add a Lego brick onto that actually? So for the people who are listening to this going, Kaylee, I've no idea how difficult it is for me to just say my name in a forum because I'm worried I'm going to be rejected. We see you, we hear you. And I want to add the Lego brick. What if the opposite was true? What if just for today, when you said to yourself, I cannot type here because people are going to think I'm an idiot or I'm waffling on or I'm revealing too much. What if the opposite was true? What if we didn't think he was waffling? What if we didn't think he was an idiot? What if we loved what you wrote? Right? Like just try to live in that world for a little bit. What What if the opposite was true? Uh, and I, I think that could help you because at some point, if you want to improve your life, you cannot dodge action forever. Like it, it's going to come at some point. And this is the interesting thing. You know, it's like, you know, let's talk about this. It's like, um, when, when is the right time? Like I teach in a strike method. Right now is the right time. Like, like there, there is, and, and I've, I've spoke to people on the podcast who I super really respect and they've been like, you know, you've got to wait until you get into an environment and you trust people in order for you to be able to do that. And I'm kind of like, well, actually, I lead with trust in the entire 7.8 billion people who live on this planet. And then when they give me a reason not to trust them, then I'll change my tact. And I've got to be honest, in 47 years of being on this planet, not many people have let me down, right? Like, not many people. When I 
when I open up and say, I don't know, anything about anything, and I'm pretty good at that, I don't get a lot of people taking a piss out of me doing that, right? So um, we hear you, we see you, and um, sometimes you need somebody to grab you and <laughs> chuck you in the middle, <laughs> chuck you in the middle of the ring and say, speak, you know? Yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah, yeah. And I I do things that make me uncomfortable pretty much every darn day. Yeah. You know, they say, make fear your friend. I swear to God, it's my best friend at this point. Um, I also think about it this way. Think about it as an experiment. So try something for 30 days and experiment. like. Run it like a science experiment. Mm. If I participate in my community every day for 30 days, I wonder what would happen. And if it isn't a good result, don't do it anymore. Mm. Just play with it. Mm. And if 30 days is too much, do it for seven, do it for five. But this sense of, you know, I think in America, we feel like if something is important, we have to be serious about it. And I know from my lived experience that if something's important, it's critical to be light about it because that's where creativity comes in. That's where spirituality comes in. That's where connection comes in. Mm. If we can play with an idea, with a new behavior, if we can invite people into it, coax people into it, invite them to experiment with it, make their participation, that initial participation, so minuscule that it makes you laugh. Like Mm. when I teach people to meditate, I ask them to count their breath for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't have 30 seconds, you know? Mm, And it makes you laugh. It's so ridiculous. And I find and it's more important to do something teeny on a regular basis than to do something huge every once in a while. Do you know, you just got me thinking there of this, um, this kind of like a, like a bit of a paradox is, you know, what I, what I heard you saying there was find a way to explore and develop your feminine essence more and at the same time that that is amazing advice the people who are trying to stop drinking are like are likely have used alcohol as a way to access that feminine essence and without it they struggle right and that's why they kind of like slip into the masculine of seriousness and stoicism and difficulty and challenge and always trying to do something to fill up the space that isn't play or rest. And it's a, it's a, it's a paradox and it's something we have to deal with as a community and come together and really help and support people who struggle in, in that way. You know, I, I'm one of them. I'm one of them that leans so much easier into my masculine than I do my feminine, uh, which is, and, and I'm great at play. I'm great at being creative, but it takes a nudge for me to, to get in there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think that there's a place for the whole panoply of options. Mm. I have found 
though, with some of the well-known programs for addiction recovery that are out there. It's very rule-bound, mm. and there's a lot of shaming if you don't do things the right way. Mm. And that doesn't sound very inviting to me. No. We, we have quests. So one, one, what we do is we, we have a, we're just starting to build it. So it's not extensive yet, but we have quests so people can choose what quest they want to do. So they're participating themselves. So we have a quest, for example, uh, a tough, tougher and toughest options where you comment on other people's posts. So for seven days, you take the tough challenge on and you comment on other people's posts. For 14 days, you can do it. Or 30 days straight. So so that is what you're talking about. It it allows you to experiment and create a hypothesis to see what it really feels like. And uh, people people don't stop at seven and go, nah, I'm not gonna do 14. <laughs> it was too <laughs> uncomfortable. Because we we know as creators that humans, we know, we know that humans have an amazing capacity um, to do the most remarkable things, just need a little little help over that hump, right? Right. Little nudge, a little invitation. That's exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to do is to invite people into a life that's free from alcohol, where they're free to create something that is so much more magnificent than they could have even imagined when they were in that spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So what do we have? We have uh, one, three, five. Let's talk about two two. and four. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So the second spiritual law is the law of substitution. And we already talked about, you know, have an orgasm instead of a glass of wine. Great. But on a deeper level, There are old stories about myself and my place in the world that underlay my desire to drink and this existential fear that somehow I am not enough or it's twin sister. You are way too much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And neither one of them gives you a lot of wiggle room where you actually feel comfortable. And so when I get down to those old stories, um, Like you need to change in order to make me comfortable. When I can get down to the root of what those really are, then I can substitute a spiritual principle, which is its antidote. So in this place of I'm not enough from that old story, what would you think the spiritual antidote would be? The spiritual antidote to I'm not enough. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I mean, I think everybody's enough, you know? Right. So acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance. Right. Acceptance. I also have found that being really honest about what I think about myself. Yes. Dilutes it. Yeah. Takes the sting out. Right. Um, I find being of service. A great substitute, I find being in the being in nature to be an mm. amazing antidote. 
And so when I can develop, you know, three or four antidotes, spiritual antidotes to that flaw, then I know that when it's up front and center for me, I know my repertoire of spiritual principles that I can embody instead. Mm. I can be really disarmingly honest about you know, wow, I feel really nervous about this right now. I can't tell if it's nervous or excited, but I have a lot of energy, you know? <laughs> and and people, the reaction that I have gotten 100% of the time, Lee, has been people are disarmed and they want to be helpful. And so this idea of substituting a spiritual principle, and they're pretty anodyne, you know, it's honesty, it's kindness, it's um, service, it's forgiveness, which is the next spiritual principle, Uh, it's hope. Those, I mean, they're pretty anodyne virtues or values, if you will, but they really do make a very powerful substitute for my old stories. Mm-hmm. So my story about TSA, my story was, I'm in a hurry, you get out of my way. <laughs> and now my story is, yeah. wow, I am wading through so many opportunities to be kind and to see mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So so what I hear there is we use alcohol to provide us with some value. And what I'm hearing you're encouraging is that we have a backup plan, which will eventually become the plan, which will, and and the plan towards um, being rather than doing, right? So we're doing alcohol, but eventually we will be someone who just doesn't need it. But as a step up, here are some spiritual practices that you can use instead of. Um, What, what is your teaching, guidance, advice? So how do you support people who get that rationally and logically? They might even create their spiritual toolkit. But in the moment tonight when their wife says, hey, you're going to go down the shop and get that tub of ice cream or that bottle of whiskey, they're just overtaken by the part of them that wants a drink and they just they just go. Where are you on 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 that on that part of the thing? First of all, I so identify with it. I yeah, so yeah. identify. I mean, how many thousands of times have I had that experience? I think that moment of truth is really tough, really tough. And so, I suggest a couple really practical tools. You know, on our phones, we can create reminders that pop up either based on time, time of day, day of the week, or that pop up based on location. So like when I pull up home in my car, I'll get a reminder that I've set for myself saying, remember to whatever, walk the dog or feed the dog or whatever it happens to be. And so when I'm in a moment of calm and right-mindedness, I will set up reminders for myself based on location, liquor store, bar, wherever it is, or based on time and day. So I always was drinking Thursdays by six o'clock at the latest. And so I would set a reminder on my phone for 4.30 saying, 
whatever, whatever was going to be motivated. Yeah. Hey, remember, remember, friend, this isn't going to end well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's just a, a very practical, tangible way to intervene on yourself because you know your habits better than anybody else does. Hmm. When I was a gambling addict, I used to have a, a piece of paper in my wallet. So when I would go in there for more money, it, it, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something along the lines of, look, Lee, um, you are not going to want to read this. You're going to want to ignore it. But I'm telling you the next day, you can regret it if you do. You're out of control right now and you're just going to lose more money, go home. <laughs> That's why something like that, you know? That's um, exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah. using technology to interrupt ourselves. I never thought about, I mean, my alarm goes off uh, every two hours just so I can check in with myself. I've never thought about location alarms. That's really clever. And, and that got me thinking that um, I think in the future, we'll have wearables that will actually trigger when we, when our sympathetic nervous system state is activated, the alarm will trigger. Because I, I think a lot of the times we end up drinking is it creeps up on us. So, I, for example, when I um, last year when I did um, my Elementum coaching training with Preston Smiles and Stefanos Sifandos, Alexi Panos, and Christine Hasler, they were working with me for like constantly for six months. And I realized that even though I didn't drink, I was consist pretty consistently triggered. Like I, I was, I was waking up and I was getting going through life, and my sympathetic nervous system was on. I was the Incredible Hulk, and I had no idea. I just thought that was how I lived. And here I was on a podcast going, "Yeah, I've got shit together. I don't drink. I I created my own company. I did this, and and, and I wonderful achievements." But I I had no idea that I was literally on my way to a car crash and an argument with my wife because I was incapable of being present for her because my sympathetic nervous system was activated. So I would love to see a wearable that just went beep, 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 be like, oh, wow, what's going on for me? I didn't even know I was triggered. You know, I think that'd be super think, helpful. Okay, there's, a business, there's a business opportunity. It's a you. great business idea. Yeah. And I have also found to that point, Lee, that um, like EMT, right? Tapping, emotional yeah, yeah, freedom yeah. technique, mm -hmm. um, that EFT, sorry, that that really works. There are, there are tappings for cravings, sugar cravings, mm -hmm. alcohol cravings, whatever that I've found to be really helpful. But that pr it means that you have the state of mind while you're triggered to go and do a tapping. Yeah. And so what I've actually found is like, you know, sugar after dinner is a thing for me. And so what I found is after dinner, I just go and I do the sugar craving tapping and it, mm. it kind of preempts that phase. Um, I also know that hypnosis and there are all kinds of energy tools that can be used to kind of deprogram that craving part of your brain. It is not in my wheelhouse of tools, mm. and I have certainly taken advantage of some of them. 
Yeah, I just when you said about EFT, many a times I've got into a funk and fight with my wife Liza, and she's just there. She is. I'm, I'm talking to her, and she's like this, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm triggering you. Um, you know, my two penny worth before we go into the final um, law is, you know, once once you're once you're triggered in your sympathetic nervous system. I like, I like, it's actually just flashed up in the top corner of my computer that the she, she Hulk is on tomorrow, right? So it's a good example. <laughs> when, when your sympathetic nervous system is activated, you, you, the, you are the incredible Hulk, right? Now, imagine if you think about the, the old show when uh, Bruce Banner and, and Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner could not control the Incredible Hulk. Nobody could control the Incredible Hulk. The only time any sense of normality came in is when the Hulk was Bruce Banner again. It's almost like sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, right? So, look, if you if your sympathetic nervous system is activated and you end up in a blazing row with your partner, using this as an example, and then you drink and it happens, boom, 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 like that, and you you haven't used your spiritual toolkit. The most important thing is um, is you have compassion with yourself, right? And you work on getting back in alignment with integrity as soon as you feel ready to do it. Um, and if you're in a community, that can be invaluable because it can be a lot quicker. And the quicker it is, the better. Because we all we all know about the fuck is, right? We have a drink and that part of us that really wanted a drink is like, yes, boom, we're in. Let's just drink for another five days and then we'll deal with this on Thursday. In a community... Uh, someone like myself, okay, can be like, hey, you know, um, and this is where the quests work, Kay, actually, because I found in Strive, people are on a quest of checking in. So let's say they've chosen to check in for 30 days and they drink. They're still checking in and they never used to do that before the quest. They would disappear for a week. But now they're like, no, I'm in this quest. Um, so they they literally check in the next day and say, I drank yesterday. And it allows them to get over that vulnerability hangover without that case of the fuck it, which I think is like super important, you know? I love the fact that you have quests. I might borrow that. I think it's brilliant. Do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, um, I love it. Love it. Mm. Well, what you're saying leads into the fourth spiritual law, which is that forgiveness brings freedom. And it's not just forgiveness of other people, it's forgiveness of ourselves. Mm. When I talk about forgiveness, I am not talking about condoning bad behavior. I am not talking about letting somebody off the hook for something that they did. What I'm talking about is untangling the threads that are binding us to hurtful actions or hurtful situations or hurtful people and letting forgiveness is like the lubricant of letting go of those tough things whether they're self-inflicted and i feel bad about something that i've done or if it's someone that's been harmful to me or my kids. If you screw with my kids, that's a big deal mm. for me. Yeah. Um, even more than somebody screwing with me. But if somebody screws with my kids, that's that's really a hot button for me. Mama bear mm. comes out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that piece that you were saying about 
if I either drink and I feel bad about it, the question is, great, it happened. Now, what are you going to do? What are you, now what? You can either extract the learning and move forward, or you can stay stuck and keep punishing yourself. Mm. Choice is pretty simple. Yeah, I, I, we have um, we have a lesson in the Strive Method, uh, which um, talks about the absolute absolute gold uh, that you can find in these moments when you drink, when because. If you if you join something like Juicy or Strive or AA or anything else that's out there, one of the first things that's going to happen is your awareness of your situation is going to change. It's going to be triggered. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter actually how effective the program is. Just by being in a program, your awareness and you're going to start to think and ask yourself questions about what's going on. You know, um, so like that awareness then allows you to say. Well, actually, why why did I do that yesterday, and and how could I have maybe done something differently? Um, which then leads into, as you say, the forgiveness piece, right? Like for me, forgiveness is really tied up for me personally with tr- my with trust for me and vulnerability. You know, so I think the reason I trust everybody is because I'm very forgiving. So if somebody if somebody betrayed my trust. Um, I would find a way to forgiveness because I believe that even when someone is is harming me, or I believe that anybody's harming in the past has done so because they feel threatened and they need to keep themselves safe, and a part of them has chosen to hurt me as a way of keeping themselves safe. So I can I can find a way to forgiveness, and I need a lot of forgiveness because I don't know about you, but I screw up a lot particularly as a father and as a husband uh, and, and as a leader of Strive. The, the amount of times I've had to turn around and say to, to my crew, I stepped over the line there with my desperation of wanting you to succeed, my masculine, I've, I've had people leave. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's human nature, right? Like you're going to screw up. Well, the thing that's great about screwing up all the time is that it's the fuel for change and learning. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the goal here is not perfection. The goal here is to learn whatever spiritual lessons and lessons about how to be a human as we can. And those lessons are always hidden under the cloak of hurt and pain and what looks like a terrible thing. They're always, that gold's always hidden under there. Mm, I like it. So just recap for everybody listening, what, what were those five spiritual principles? Okay. And we'll do them in order this time. How about? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So the first one is uh, the power of our subconscious to create our future. The second one is the law of substitution, a spiritual principle for an old story. The third one is actions first, feelings follow. The fourth one is forgiveness brings freedom. And the fifth one is the power of service. Mm, I love it. I love it. And what are you up to now? How can people join Juicy? I, I believe you've got another a book you're writing again. It's coming out in January. Tell us about that. All kinds of good things. 
So if you want a download of those five spiritual laws, you can get them at juicyaf.life forward slash laws. If you would like my seven-day free Stop the Drinking Spiral Challenge, it's at juicyaf.life slash 1000 days, special for you. And if you're interested in my community, it's juicy-af.mn.co. Okie dokie. I will put all that on the show notes. Um, Just want to say thank you very much for coming on and spending this hour with me from Boulder, Colorado. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you do. It's not easy. And your decision to turn your personal story around and really save lives of other people is quite beautiful. And I just want to honor you for that and uh, keep up the good work. And if I can ever help you in any way, just let me know. Lee, I so appreciate that. And I always love at the beginning of your podcast when you say, I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not anonymous, but I spend (laughs) every waking moment. And that just gets me every single time. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for the work that you do. Nice love. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. Without you, the listener, there is no podcast. So thank you for stepping up today. Please go to your podcast player, rate and review the show. It will help people get to know about it a little bit more and we can save some more lives. I just want to say a special thanks to our producer, Stan, who is currently in the Ukraine. If you would like to help and support Stan and his family, email us at thestridemethod at gmail.com and we'll find a way to do that. Special thanks to all of our guests who make this show so magical and our Stride family for uniting in our common goal to be people who don't drink alcohol and live self-led lives. And if you want to join us, email us at thestridemethod at gmail.com. And lastly, if you enjoyed this show, tell somebody about it. You could seriously change somebody's life. Strive on, everybody.